fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared. Here's Patricia Raskin with Positive Living on the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. I'm always happy to be with Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. This program has been on Voice America on the Internet or in year three, and I have a local show where I live that's been on the year eight years, and I've been doing this work primarily for 20 years as a way to really show people how they can bring joy into their lives as well as have the kind of life that they want through all the ups and downs and the issues that we go through. You can call us today at 888-335-5204. We're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we are rebroadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. I feel very honored to have on a foremost and renowned author on the program today, one who is very well known in consciousness circles, I would like to say, folks that really have looked into psychology and consciousness. Um, and I don't like to use the word new age, but alternative thinking, if you will. My guest is Thomas Moore, Ph.D., who wrote the phenomenal number one bestsellers, Care of the Soul and Soulmates, as well as many other successful books. Dr. Moore was a Catholic monk for 12 years and later became a psychotherapist, earning degrees in theology, musicology, and religion. Moore now lives at, now lectures extensively throughout North America and lives in New Hampshire. Welcome, Thomas Moore. Thank you. Very, very flattered to have you on. Your latest book that we're really going to talk about today is called Dark Nights of the Soul. A Guide to Finding Your Way Through Life's Ordeals, which actually spoke to me personally, and it's a new, it's your newest book, isn't it? It is, yes. And what you say is that we all have deep, dark, smoky experiences in our life. And what I got from your book was what you said, if we can learn somehow how to embrace that darkness, not hide from it, not curl up into a ball, not put armor around us, but somehow fully engage it, we will get through it faster? Is, is that, talk to me about that. Well, I can't guarantee you get through it faster, but I can say that if you do that, when you come through it, you will be a better person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you probably, my guess is, you won't have to repeat that experience. But what about the excruciating pain that you go through when you're going through that dark night? When you're reliving those feelings that just feel so helpless. Well, you know, I don't think I, I don't think that the, the experience itself is as bad as our anticipation of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, everyone has to go through tough times. Some of us more than others. Some of, some people are called. I mean, it's just their fate to have an awful lot of uh, illness or or uh, death around them or or problems. Most of us have uh, a moderate amount, and I think that we can deal with it. We can get through those things. Uh, it's just part of life. 
It's our attitude toward it. If we think that life should be sweet and perfect all the time, or that we can just take a pill and everything's going to be fine, then we'll be undone by these experiences. Mm -hmm. But I think if we have a, a philosophy, and that's what I'm trying to do in this book, is present a philosophy where we, we understand from the very beginning that life is like this, and that we are going to be better off if we live through it, take them right on and live right mm -hmm. through them, than if we try to uh, avoid them. All right. I, I would like to bring up um, well, some of life's toughest issues mm -hmm. and have you address those. And these are, these are from, from the interviews I've done and, and people I've worked with. These are the ones that I think are the toughest. The first one would be the death of a child. That's a real dark night. Oh, boy. It's extremely, extremely difficult. I have a, a number of close friends who have gone through that experience. And um, it takes a long, long time. Of course, one never gets through it. Uh, but it takes a long time to get over even the initial uh, shock and, uh, and disruption in life. What I have noticed in pe with people who have gone through this particular experience is that the response cannot be simply can't be simply grief. You just can't grieve because that grief is going to be overwhelming. Um, what I have noticed is that people who seem to deal best with with that is um, they rearrange their lives somehow. Uh, I'm, for example, I'll tell you one story. I know of man, uh, a neighbor of ours who lost his son who was 16 years old. And what he did, he had a very good job in a, in a big company. And he quit the job and became a teacher in the school that his son was in. I mean, he, mm. he, he cut back his salary by a huge amount because his son was in a school that was an alternative school and the teachers weren't, aren't paid much at all. Mm -hmm. And he took that job. And, um, and I think that it, it was, you know, what I'm saying here is that it, he didn't just sit around grieving. Mm -hmm. he, he used his imagination mm -hmm. and he transformed his feeling, I mean, very directly, his feeling of missing his son, to being in the classroom where his son would be and began teaching. And he's been doing that now for about 10 years. Mm. And he's a, he's a wonderful man. He's done wonderful things for those students. So that's, I think that's the kind of thing. Obviously, his sadness and grief have not gone away. But he's, he's a vibrant man right now. I think it's because he found a way to transmute those, those feelings into something very positive. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, and that's one example. Mm -hmm. Let's take an example of someone. I mean, I can think of three or four. Someone who um, had an accident and became very disabled. Let's talk about that one. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm, I'm bringing up some tough ones here. Yes. Well, uh, yes, people can sometimes, uh, when they have a, a serious accident and get to say, well, that can be, that can be so discouraging that, uh, you know, people come to think of suicide. It can be awful. It can really take you right down to the very depths and you wonder if you have a future. Yet, even there, people have, uh, people do discover that there are ways to, to transform their lives through their limitations. So they can they can do things that they wouldn't have done otherwise. Like I have another example of that. Uh, I knew a fellow. I only used knew him for about uh, about a year, I guess. He, he died a couple died a year ago, two years ago. He was a writer, um, and he um, he developed ALS, a very debilitating disease, and slowly lost his capacities and ended up uh, in a wheelchair, and he could hardly move anything. And, but he, he learned, he really discovered a new vocation in a way because he began writing and speaking to medical school.
schools and medical doctors and students. And I worked with him in those situations. I, w- I was with him sometimes on the stage uh, talking to people. Mm. And he had a terrific sense of humor. And he was dying, and he eventually did, you know, did go. But mm-hmm. he, um, he found a new vocation at that mm. moment. And I think that's another way that uh, people can find their way through the dark night. But to do that, you have to be, you, you know, I mean, he didn't lose his, he didn't lose his sadness. I mean, he was leaving his children and everything. But um, he was able to find a creative, positive way of changing his life mm-hmm. that he would never have had otherwise. I interviewed last week on this very program Bill Irwin, who is blind, and he's the first blind man ever to have done the 2,000-something mile trek on the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. with his dog, Orient. Wow. And this was about... 10 or 15 years ago, but he is such, he's a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. He was an alcoholic before that. He is remarried. He's building his log cabin, and he's actually open, it's operating the crane with his wife's help. She tells him what, you know, directs him. Yeah. And he is the most amazing, strong man and so powerful. And like you said, I mean, you know, his comment is we're all differently abled. That everybody has some sort of a disability. They may, it may not seem as strong as someone else's. Yes. Well, everything depends on how you react, how you respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's, it's a problem to, at the beginning, to, to really go deep, dark, and to despair. I mean, despair is an important emotion as well. But eventually, one has to find, you know, the end of that and bottom up, bottom out on it, and come up. And, again, as I say, use your imagination, trust your imagination to give you a means of responding to whatever tragic thing has happened to you mm-hmm. uh, in a particular way. It, what, what, you know, if we keep telling these stories, we could both probably tell them all afternoon. <laughs> um, as we tell those stories, we're, we're talking about very interesting, unique Well, and I think it's important, Tom, because if you don't tell the story and you just give the theory, people say, yes, but what do you mean? And, well, of course. Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, I tend and, to be too abstract that way. <laughs> well, I have one one more I'd like to talk about okay. before the break, and that is the person who has um, been abandoned, been betrayed, whether it's separation, divorce, whether it's a parent or a husband or a child, just been turned on, betrayed, after okay. this person has given their life. And I've seen it between parent and children. I've seen it between spouses. I've seen it between siblings. How do you help people get through that? What do you say to those people who have dark night of the soul who are struggling because they gave so much and they feel lost? Well, first of all, in order to do that, I have to distinguish between what I see going on and what I would say. Uh, I think a lot of times when people uh, describe that kind of experience of betrayal, they tell about their their innocence, being a bit too innocent and naive about relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I see that and I think, well, you know, they're going to have to discover in this betrayal, not just to learn not to be trusting again, but to be a a tougher person who knows more about what life is about. Or what part they played in it or what they didn't see that they see now. That's right. And that doesn't, if, if it takes away your innocence altogether and you become cynical, then that doesn't do anything good. Right. But if you can uh, make a step ahead and so you become more complex and the next time you're in a relationship with somebody, you're just going to have your eyes more open and mm-hmm. maybe take care of yourself better and not, not enter into it 
in a parent-child relationship, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But really be an adult and go right into it. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is if you can get through this, then you'll you'll have even a deeper, richer relationship later with whomever it is. If if you allow it to affect you, if you allow your emotions there to be there and not to you know cover them over, mm-hmm. if you use your imagination and all your intelligence, because the fact is, many many people go through those kinds of experiences and then go through them again and again mm-hmm. because they really don't allow themselves mm-hmm. to have the experience and they remain in that uh, too naive place. Mm. Well, and some of it may be because they're afraid of feeling the pain. Well, yes, that's what, I, that's what we started talking about here. Say, what are you going to do with all that pain? Well, I don't want to overdo that. Anyone can deal with pain. We can deal with pain, that kind of pain. We can do it. Uh, we're not that weak. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are talking to, I guess I want to use the word renowned. I'm sure he's very humble, but the renowned. My friends call me just Tom. <laughs> all right. Thomas Moore, Ph.D., who wrote the phenomenal number one bestsellers, Care of the Soul and Soulmates. And we are now talking about his newest book, Dark Nights of the Soul. You can call me at 888-335-5204. Positive Living is here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. Stay tuned, folks. There's plenty more with Dr. Thomas Moore of Dark Nights of the Soul. Give us a call. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Information you need, when you need it, VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time to Voice America for True Life in God with Betsy Serafin. On the show, Betsy will talk about the importance of having God in your life as well as discuss how God is calling Christians to come together in the heart. So make it a point to tune in to True Life in God every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Mario's The Dot, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crime to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. 
everyone, we are back listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I said, Positive Living brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. I've been on Voice America now. This is year three. I believe in Voice America, which is really America's voice. And there are so many wonderful programs on this network, on this Internet network, that really help people with personal growth, self-discovery, spirituality, community concerns, wellness, all of the above. You can call us at 888-335-5204. And if you would like to hear an archive of this program, go to my website, raskinresources.com. You can get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, also on my website. My guest today is Dr. Thomas Moore, Ph.D., who wrote the phenomenal number one bestsellers, Care of the Soul and Soulmates, as well as many other successful books. Thomas Moore was a Catholic monk for 12 years and later became a psychotherapist, earning degrees in theology, musicology, and religion. His newest book is Dark Nights of the Soul, A Guide to Finding Your Way Through Life's Ordeals. Welcome back, Thomas. Thank you. Uh, again, folks, call us at 888-335-5204. Here's my question about the dark night. One of the things that you said in your book, I was reading yesterday while I was sitting by the pool, um, one of the things that you said is that when you go through that dark night and you feel that, that depth of whatever it is you're feeling, the despair, the pain, the fear, that you're alive. And that that's, that's a very important turning point in a way, not to shut that down. Now, my question is, it's real tough to go through that fear and that pain and that angst. I mean, it's it's a scary. It's like go. It's like it's like for me. It's like being, you know, in a coffin, buried, and wondering how I'm going to get out. So my question is, talk to us about that. You say it's a good thing. But it certainly doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't feel good to me either. Uh, no, but I have found uh, over the years uh, doing therapy uh, in this way. Uh, just trying trying to be with people and not try to pull them out too fast, you know, and try to find ways to escape. I find that people do find, uh, do discover comfort in the pain, actually. Hmm. You want to be careful. You don't want to say that you indulge in the pain, because that's masochism. You don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you can uh, d- discover that, that that at least you're you're being honest with yourself, you're living your life, you're actually responding to what is truly happening to you at the moment. It's mm-hmm. appropriate for what's going on. Mm-hmm. And probably if you're doing that way, you can guess you'll get through it eventually. Mm-hmm. If you fight it off, if you try, even the slightest ways try to try to fight it off and avoid it, it just seems to linger forever. That's when it becomes chronic. I see. I see. So, so in, other, in other words, let me interpret that. So in other words, if you just numbed it by either drinking or going out and distracting yourself or being some kind of an alcoholic, whether it's shopaholic, alcohol, you know, if you did that, then that's just going to make it persist. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, I think it will, yeah. I think it will. I mean, whom? I, I can't uh, make an absolute law about that, but I think it's true. My, my sense is that that's what happens. Mm-hmm. If you, if It makes sense to me that if you, if you don't let life happen, you get stuck. You get sort of fixed in one spot. And that feels even worse because mm-hmm. it's not going to be bright and cheery. It will be a dark place that you're stuck in. Mm-hmm. And it will seem like you're never going to get out of it. And anything right. you do doesn't work. So I think the thing to do, you know, the, th- the people do do a lot of things. I mean, they do right. things. But that doesn't mean those things are actually going to address the issue. I want to speak about this, about the pain specifically, because I find when um, when that has happened for me, 
and the pain comes in or the fear, um, I find that there's almost um, a paralyzing, immobilizing feeling. And it feels in the moment, as I said, that I won't get out, that I can't get out of that box. And eventually, of course, it lifts. You know, it lifts, I do something, or I, I you know, my adult self comes in, <laughs> whatever happens. I mean, it doesn't last that long, but even if it only lasts for a half an hour or an hour, it's a, it's really, um, it's, it's a frightening feeling that on some level I won't get out. Yes. See, I think that that's part of the experience. You have to have it. Okay. You have to have the experience that this is never going to end or you can't get out. That's, see, you know, in one chapter in this book, I talk about these dark nights as a rite of passage. Mm. And a rite of passage is often, like in, if you look at uh, primal communities, you know, these communities very close to the earth, their rites of passage almost all involve images of dying and death. Uh, you know, people are even buried underground sometimes. You have to walk through tunnels or be in caves or be, be wrapped up as though they're, you know, mummies or something. So these images suggest that somehow in order to go through a rite of passage, which mm. means to actually go through a, an initiation so that you're going to become more of a person at the end of it, some sort of death experience is necessary. Mm. And so I, in a so, sense, a part of you dies is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. And so that feeling, well, it's never going to end or that I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm blocked, there's no exit, that is part of the death fantasy and I think it's necessary. Mm. And so if, if we understand that, at least um, that helps us, if we can understand that consciously, that we're not going to be there forever. Yes, I think it helps, too, as I try to put it in the, in the writing about the rite of passage. The, um, the anthropologists for years have talked about the rite of passage in three parts, having a, a separation from ordinary life, and then a period of what they call liminality, which means kind of being suspended, not really uh, anywhere. And then a return. So there are these three phases that they see in the rite of passage. I think that applies to these dark nights. Uh, something happens, something like, you know, you, you, you're divorced or uh, you get sick or something happens like that. Suddenly you're taken out of normal life. Right. The next thing is you, you're, you're in it for a while and you realize now I'm neither here nor there. I'm not normal anymore. I'm not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm suspended somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's that's when the when the work takes place. That's when something happens to your heart where you change as a person. I have I have to just say this. One of the women I interviewed because this image came up as you were speaking. Um, I have to remember her last name. I'll get it. But her name is Gail Blanky, and her new book is called um, Life Between the Trapezes. And what she talks about is when you're actually kind of as you said when you're going from point A to point B and you, you're falling and you're suspended. And she said that's when the real growth happens. Right. And how exciting that is. I mean, to me, that's very scary. You know, but she's saying, look at how you can recreate your life in that, in that middle, in that midair space. Right. And she compares it to the trapeze artist flying. Well, you know what happens then is that uh, a person usually then begins to pay attention to things they've neglected for a long time. That's, that's mm. a state. You're, you're not, you can't even focus anymore on your work and on sure. things that, you know, that you're doing, you used to do all the time. So that's the time when people go to therapy too, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I see the therapy as a sort of suspended uh, activity because it's, it's not really part of life, 
but it's a conversation, what I would call it, like really caring for the soul. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's soul work right there at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then you go back into life having mm-hmm. taken this time out. Mm-hmm. With a lot more awareness. With more awareness, not that you're not going to fall into things again, but that you are now, you've, you see, the thing is you, you, I think you advance in stages. Mm-hmm. And now you've, you've made a, a step forward, and that's great, but there will be other steps to take as well. Mm, fascinating. And one of the things you just said about how when you're in that suspended state, uh, you know, you're kind of falling, that you see things you didn't see before. That's right. Almost like being in the parachute and falling. So you may take up things or do things that really please you or are good for you that in your previous what you were doing before, you, you couldn't even think in those terms. No, you wouldn't even be aware of them uh, before. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's why at this time, see, for me as a therapist, I really, uh, I, I see my work not as fixing a person's life or anything like that, but to really focus in on their their depths, their soul, while they're talking with me. Mm-hmm. And what we do there is we, we use our imaginations as much as we can so that we see things that mm-hmm. normally you wouldn't see. You know, I, I have to share a personal thing here. I was going through a hard time and, and have been. Um, I have gotten really interested in flowers. And every week I go out and I buy fresh flowers, and usually roses. And they just make me so happy. Now, I've always loved flowers, but I've never had this kind of awakening with them where I look at them and they just cheer me up. And, of course, my symbol is the bumblebee. <laughs> I call it through the airwaves, which bring these things. So that would make sense that I would go to flowers. But, you know, when you talk about seeing things, I never bought fresh flowers before. I mean, I had them on occasions. But it's become almost a need for me to see them and to cut them and to put them in the vase and weed them out. And is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yes, it is. It is. You'll find something like that that maybe you've never really considered before or never took as seriously before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tell a story about a woman who, who lost a child. And she began digging holes in her yard, mm. just digging holes. And now... The point, the first point I want to make about this is that it, it would be really nice if you could look at the poetry of what you do. Mm-hmm. So when she's digging holes, she's digging down deep into her world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think of that as a poet metaphor for what she's doing. She's digging mm-hmm. into the earth, into the natural world. She's looking for something, but she doesn't even know what she's looking for. She doesn't mm-hmm. know why she's digging. Mm-hmm. She said, she told me that when she had dug for about a year, she discovered she was making a garden, a really rich Huge garden. But she didn't start out to make a garden. She, she just started out digging holes. Mm. So I think that's a very interesting thing. That, uh, that Sometimes we start things in this liminal place, this middle place, and we don't even know really where we're headed. But you trust, you can trust that what you're doing out of this place now is going to lead you somewhere valuable. And so you stick with it. Mm. Mm. How interesting. The metaphor is interesting. The metaphors, the poetry of one's life. Yeah, and, and for me, probably the flowers are the beauty and the yeah. growth and the blossoming of life. Yes. And they die. <laughs> That's the other thing That's I have right. to deal with. Because each week, and I'm looking at my roses right now, and they're drooping. Right. <laughs> so I have to deal with, with the buds. They blossom, and then they die in a week. So that's interesting that I'm kind of willing to look at that rebirth of death. Well, yes. I mean, just think if we thought about our, our relationships are really like that. You know, they're like flowers. They, they have their seasons. Yeah. And they, the, the, the death of the flower, the end of the flower, doesn't mean that it's all over. I don't mean that relationships only last a short time. Mm-hmm. But that there is a rhythm to them. 
and the perennials will come back, but they still go through their, their death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, really. We're going to take a break. My guest is Thomas Moore. His new book is Dark Nights of the Soul. Thomas Moore, Ph.D., wrote the phenomenal number one bestsellers, Care of the Soul and Soulmates. You can call us after the break. We would love to hear from you at 888-335-5204. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lewis, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard's Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard's Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We're back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. As I always say, I'm always thrilled to be on Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now. And I really believe that, and that's why I'm here. 
And positive living brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. And I was telling my guest, Thomas Moore, how much I love Mozart and that it's a very healing music. And uh, that's what we play. The intro for this show is an excerpt from Mozart. My guest is Dr. Thomas Moore, Ph.D., who wrote the phenomenal number one bestsellers, Care of the Soul and Soulmates, as well as many other successful books. Dr. Moore was a Catholic monk for 12 years and later became a psychotherapist, earning degrees in theology, musicology, and religion. He now lectures extensively throughout North America and resides in New Hampshire. Welcome back, Thomas. Thank you. And I, I want to say, I said this before, um, I, I'm really very honored that you're on this program. Your work has affected millions of people. It's very powerful, and I'm happy that we can talk. Well, I'm honored to be on your program. Well, thank you very much. Let's talk, let's dip a little bit into, I have all your books out here on my table, <laughs> The Original Self and The Care of the Soul and Dark Nights of the Soul, and I know there are many others. But let's look at The Care of the Soul for a minute, Guide for Cultivating Depth and Sacredness in Everyday Life. Now, here's what I get as an image when I think of care of the soul. Now, this is me, and so I'd like you to address this. I think of taking a bubble bath. I think of walking on the beach. I think of listening to healing music. I think of meditating. I think of reading something that uplifts me. I think of watching the sunset, um, cooking a meal that really is nourishing, uh, being on the water. Those are things I think of. Is that care of the soul? It is. It's. Um, it's. I'd say step one of care of the soul, absolutely. Okay. Uh, doing all those things that comfort you, that uh, um, that uh, give you the deep pleasure. Pleasure is a very big part of the life of the soul. And uh, I think pleasure is in short supply. We have a lot of entertainment, but we don't have an awful lot of deep, simple pleasure. Mm, and that's really what the soul requires really badly. Mm. The one thing missing in what you say, and I know you would say it uh, once I describe it, is that um, if Fair. we leave it, if we leave it at that, that we then we're focusing on ourselves. So care of the soul also requires, or, or can I guess it's finished, is completed in uh, taking care of our families, uh, yes. uh, nurturing our friendships, and giving service to our communities, mm-hmm. and, and being aware of the needs of the world around us. So the, the soul really is not just inside us. The soul is. The world itself has a soul. Mm-hmm. And so to care for the soul means to care for your own soul in relation to caring for the world's soul. Mm-hmm. And so when that's done, when that is completed, I think, then we know, then we're mm-hmm. engaged in this process. Very interesting. Again, as you speak, I think of authors I've interviewed. An author and a friend of mine, Gail Straub. I don't know if you know Gail. I don't. But Gail wrote um, The Rhythm of Compassion. She's been doing this work for many years. And she talks about those three dimensions of the rhythm of compassion. One is the self, and then service to others, and then service to the world. Yes. And that you must do all three. And it's very important that you create that rhythm right. to really have the whole compassion. That's right. I think it works, It works. Uh, uh, you know, this is interpenetrating these things. So that uh, when uh, people are lonely, they tell me they're lonely and depressed. Um, I tell them I think probably the best thing to do is to go and find some way to serve your community, mm-hmm. get out there and help some kids mm-hmm. in your neighborhood or... Mm-hmm. Deal with the community in some way, and you'll find out that loneliness isn't an issue, really, because mm-hmm. because the loneliness really is means being cut off from the world in which we live. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think you can cure loneliness by turning inward. Mm. So it's very important to be, but don't you think you have to be around the right people? I mean, when you talk about care of the soul, mm-hmm. I mean... 
Not just to be around any people, not just to go to an event to be with people. No, I suppose not. No, I don't mean just in a superficial way to have people in your sight. Right. No, that's not going to do I'm talking about service. Mm-hmm. Service. So mm-hmm. not just to be around people, but doing something for people, uh, especially people that you don't know, because that's getting out into that world that mm-hmm. stretches beyond mm-hmm. the, the circle that you know. I want to ask you something about that. What would you say to someone who asked you this? Should I volunteer or do something in an organization or something that brings me discomfort. For example, you think about Mother Teresa, where people would go into the leper colonies. And for some people, that would be very uncomfortable. Or working with the homeless, for some people, that's out of their comfort zone. Do you? I guess the question, Thomas, is should people step out of their comfort zone or should they do some volunteer work in, in a way that feeds their soul and makes them feel good? Well, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> They should do both. Um, uh, we should really work in our comfort areas. I mean, that's so important to be comfortable and do the things that give us comfort and mm-hmm. fulfillment that are tailor-made to us, that we don't have to feel like we're stretching too far. But that alone is not enough. We really do, I think, have to push it, push the edge, and go to those places that are not so comfortable and do that all the time. Because um, that's what, you know, transcendence, which is a word related to spirituality and the mm-hmm. spiritual life, means to to transcend, to go beyond the borders that you know, to transcend in knowledge and to transcend in your knowledge of the world and your relation to the world. And there's a way in which that really is, I think, the important step in finding your own spiritual life. The way the religious uh, um, writers would put it is that as you stretch out toward the rest of the world, you are stretching toward divinity or to, you know, to the all, to, to everything there. And that's a very important part of the spiritual life. So I would say do both. Um, comfort yourself, but also make sure you stretch beyond that. So care of the soul involves, as we said, step one, care of the self, right. then care of others, and then service back. That's right. That's why I didn't call that book Care of the Self. Uh, you know, Jung, whom I rely a great deal on, although I'm not a Jungian, I, I, I rely on him a lot. He said that that we are in the soul. The soul is in, in us. Mm-hmm. I like that image very much, that we live in a world that can be very soulful. It is. Nature, uh, the world of people, cities, uh, culture, uh, families, uh, relationships, marriages. This is, this is all where the soul has to be found. So, now, you have another book that's called Soulmates. Yes. Now, when we think of soulmates, because we're, just, we're talking a lot about the soul, care of the mm-hmm. soul, dark nights of the soul, and when we, when I think of the word soulmates, I think of the romantic part of that, you know, the other half of yourself right. and this person from who it came in who just compliments you. I have a feeling that's not exactly what you meant by your no. book, Soulmates. No, I say that at the beginning of that book. I, I think that's part of it, a small part of it. But what I was writing about there was about the soul dimension of all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. So the soulmate, uh, the soul aspects of our family relationships, our children, and uh, our lovers and spouses and neighbors, the, the whole works. There's a soul dimension to all of that. There's a mysterious part of it. There's a part that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially I wanted to explore those elements that are really tough to deal with, like endings in relationships mm-hmm. and misunderstandings and that sort of thing. Mm. And what do, what is your advice to people who have that um, in terms of tough endings or misunderstandings or 
things that don't have closure to them, um, again, is that part of the dark night of the soul, or how how do you work with your clients in that way? Well, I think, again, it comes back to having a philosophy of life. I always write about this. How important it is to develop a philosophy of life over time as you get older to to kind of gather together to say this is this is how I'm going to live and to really think it through instead of just responding minute by minute unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, I think you can say, well, my philosophy of life includes the fact I know that there are endings in life. This is the way of life. It, it has it's like music that has cadences. They end. They're endings. It would be very dull if there weren't endings in music. Mm-hmm. You know. Partial endings, complete endings. So that's the way life is, and we have to appreciate that. And as you uh, approach life knowing that they're endings, that you can live through them, then I think you have a better chance with them. How do you deal with clients who come to you who, who get angry and remain bitter? How do you help them, in a sense, get through that dark night of the soul to kind of shed that bitterness in the armor? Well, one thing I do is, uh, it may sound very simple, but I simply don't buy into their perspective. This mm. is a big part of being a counselor. It, you you don't buy into the person's point of view. And I don't mean that I, I chide them for it or I try to teach them some other thing. I just show them by example that that's not the way I see it. That's my, not my attitude. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, I'll just go forge ahead for maybe time after time of our discussions and conversations. Can you give us a quick a quick example of that, someone who might see it one way and you're showing how you didn't buy in? Well, if someone, uh, someone has just gotten divorced and they come in to me and they just say one bad thing after another mm-hmm. about the person that they've just divorced, um, I will uh, find out what drew, what, drew you, what drew you to them in the first place. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. and uh, were there any good things about this? If it was really mm-hmm. it's so horrible, why didn't you divorce long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on here? And uh, I'd say, well, you know, I mean, an awful lot of people have gotten divorced and, uh, and they get on with their life and they do it extremely mm-hmm. well. Uh, you know, life does have its endings and there's a way to end gracefully. And, mm-hmm. and I might even mention some of my own experiences of ending. You know? mm-hmm. um, they've all worked out pretty well. Right, right. So it's, it's a way of, of giving another perspective. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's it how it is. All right, um, we're going to take a break, and I want you to ask you, is there a website for people? Is it careofthesoul.com? Careofthesoul.net. Okay, careofthesoul.net. will reach uh, my website and uh, with, you know, a list of the books and tapes and events. Okay. All right, so you're speaking engagements, yes. and you have uh, CDs as well as audio yes. tapes? Yes, I do, and I have uh, on the website I have some articles and you know some things I've written published. Yes. In fact, there was an article that I just read I'm going to have you talk about after the break, and it's on envy and jealousy. Mm-hmm. And I would love you to talk about that. Sure. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, we are talking to the renowned Thomas Moore, Ph.D., who wrote the phenomenal bestseller, Care of the Soul and Soulmates. He was a Catholic monk for 12 years. He is now a psychotherapist and lectures extensively throughout North America. You can call us after the break at 888-335-5204. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical... For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. 
Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world, the Internet's number one talk and information station, voiceamerica.com. How can you have a better life on your terms? You can have a better life because you can become better. Stop waiting for everything around you to change. Tune in every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. David Martin, an internationally recognized speaker, will teach you what successful people are doing. So join us Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Positive Living is on Voice America. It has been on. We are now in year three and is on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you just log on to your computer, log on to voiceamerica.com, use your computer as a radio, and listen to this program. And you can also listen to the archives on my site, raskinresources.com, and get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. Um, you can still call us. We still have a segment, uh, 888-335-5204. Again, we're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. I have a very, very special guest. I'm very honored to have on the renowned Dr. Thomas Moore. And for millions of readers, uh, they have they were awakened to the new awareness by Thomas Moore's work, which was Care of the Soul. That was a number one New York Times bestseller and his other bestseller, Soulmates. Um, he has many other successful books, and his newest book is Dark Nights of the Soul, a guide to finding your way through life's ordeals. 
Dr. Moore was a Catholic monk for 12 years and later became a psychotherapist, earning degrees in theology, musicology, and religion, and he lectured extensively throughout North America, and most recently he's been in Ireland doing a lot of lecturing. Welcome back, Thomas. Before we go to your lectures and, and some of the work you're doing with hospice, I want to get back to what I said before the break. Um, one of the chapters in your book, Care of the Soul, is on envy and jealousy. Very interesting. Um, I think all of us, I mean, I know we'd all like to say, oh, no, no, I'm never jealous. But I have a feeling that that emotion runs through all of us at some time in our life. And sometimes it's intense. What do you advise about jealousy and envy? Um, where does it come from? How do we deal with it and work with it? And I guess get rid of it or transform it. Yeah, transform it probably. Well, I think that uh, uh, any symptoms that we have, emotional symptoms, I tend to see them as raw material. Um, I've read a lot of uh, Jung's work on alchemy, and I tend to see see it in those images that, like, jealousy is kind of raw stuff. It, has, it needs to be refined and cooked and ripened in us. So when you're in a relationship with someone and you're feeling very jealous, you probably have a lot to learn about relationship. That, it, that, that you have to learn that you have to give yourself... But, but not naively, and you have to trust the other person, and you have to realize that just because you love them, you can't own them. Uh, and yet there's a way to to really to to be secure in a relationship without having to be totally in control of that person. But it takes that's what takes a lot of learning to get to that point. What about people who are jealous of other people or other relationships? What do you say to that? I don't know if I understand. They're jealous. Of They're jealous of. Um, of, you know, someone else's life, for example, oh, like or someone else, uh, someone they were involved with before who's with someone else, yeah. or a couple that has a relationship that they're jealous of. Yeah. Well, it sounds like some of what you're talking about is really like envy. They wish they had that, or they... they... Yes, and, and you say there's a difference between jealousy and envy. Yes, well, envy is wanting what the other person has, and jealousy is is a feeling that uh, you're losing something that's, uh, you know, that you that you, is yours. Mm. And mm. Um, just slight difference, but the feeling, the emotions are very similar. They they hurt. They, they, there's mm-hmm. a lot of physical pain even in both of those emotions, especially mm-hmm. in jealousy. Well, I would say, especially of envy, I've worked with people who are extremely uh, caught up in envy. Um, the fact is they, they really have to discover their own life. You know, if you want someone else's life, it's a pretty indication you don't have your own very strong. You're not very satisfied with it. And I think a lot of people don't have their own life because they have bought in as children or as young people. They've bought into what, you know, what they've learned in their family or at school or in their friends or something. They bought into the fact that they shouldn't be an individual, that they that they should just join in and not think and, and just be like everybody else. And I, I think that's... The breeding ground for envy, and so uh, as people deal with their envy, and they see that they wish that they have what another person has, or they feel bad that the other person has it, that um, uh, they can they can work through those feelings, but only when they get to the point that they have their own life, do the emotions finally go away. So something isn't being fulfilled in them, is what you're saying. Something's not being fulfilled in them, and they have to discover that. Mm-hmm. And it can't be you can't just say that and say, okay, now we've got it. It's something that you have to burn off from your, from you somehow. It's like a burning, and that's what you feel. The pain is that process, that transformation. 
Okay. As you get more involved and as you get more fulfilled and as you do more service, as you were saying, and as you do more care of the soul, yes. then it, it transforms. Yes, it does. I think most people mm-hmm. will say that they may have been very jealous at one point in their lives and later they're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the work that you're doing in Ireland with hospice and um, around death and dying and in this country. And uh, share, share with that is it, because we have a few minutes left, and I'd like you to tell folks about what you're doing. When I, when I uh, work now, when I go out to travel, I, uh, I often go to medical schools. Uh, I talk to do- doctors and especially to medical students about the, uh, the whole uh, issue of taking care of people, the, uh, so that a patient is a person, is not just mm-hmm. the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, everyone can say that, but I try to explore what that means, what the implications are. That when a doctor is working with somebody or a nurse or some other medical professional, that uh, they're not just dealing with uh, with this uh, disease or this uh, this case. They're dealing with a person who has a family and who has a history and a lot of emotions and fantasies. So I try to help them become a little bit more sophisticated about that issue. And it's very similar, actually, to it's very closely related to the work of hospice because. An awful lot of people in medicine, even today, have great trouble dealing with dying. And yet, their patients are dying, and they're afraid of it. They don't know what to do. And today, they might have a tendency to call in the specialists, the chaplains or the hospice workers, and not have to deal with it. So I I speak directly to the medical people to try to let them, you know, try to suggest that that they that they're in the business of healing people, not just mm. uh, fixing bodies. Mm-hmm. And in to... Ireland, you actually go into the hospices there. Yes, I do. I go to the hospices. I've worked in a couple of hospices in Ireland. I was recently there uh, working with. Uh, I led a little retreat for hospice workers. Mm-hmm. But I've gone to the hospices there as well, and um, you know, I I, I mean, I, what I find is that people working with the dying. Uh, know all about this soul talk. They know the soul stuff very uh, firsthand because they're dealing with these fundamental issues day after day. And they really have to rely on their own powers and dig deep into themselves to do that work. So to me, that's the easy work, working with hospice, because those people are right where I am anyway to begin with. All right, we have just a little bit of time left. What would you like to leave our listeners with today if they get one piece from this interview on Dark Nights of the Soul, Care of the Soul, Soulmates, and, of course, this other wonderful book you have, Original Self. What's your message? Well, there are several things. One is that um, that the, the purpose of all of this work is not to just simple happiness and to be carefree. The purpose is to grow up and be a really interesting, complicated, strong person. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second point is that this work is not, as I was saying before, is not just focused on the self. But our world's in great trouble. If we're going to care for the soul today, we have to get out there and do what we can to uh, bring these values to uh, to the political world and to the uh, business world and so on. It's very mm-hmm. important to stretch it out there. Mm-hmm. And the third thing, when people ask me to sum up my philosophy, I always say, lighten up. I think we're just too heavy, too too hard on ourselves. And mm. We need some more, a little more humor, and mm. and uh, and take people a little more lightly instead of uh, mm. being so harsh on ourselves and harsh with each other. Thank you so much. It was so inspirational. Thank you. Thank you so much. Stay on the line. Thank you, uh, Dr. Thomas Moore. His bestsellers are Care of the Soul. 
Soulmates, and his newest book is Dark Nights of the Soul, you can go to uh, careofthesoul.net. Is that correct? That's correct. Careofthesoul.net. Okay. Folks, next week I'm interviewing a fascinating lady, Lucia Cappuccioni. She's a Ph.D. Um, Lucia is known for her discovery of the healing power of writing and drawing of the non-dominant hand. She's an art therapist with a Ph.D. in psychology, and she actually served as a consultant to Walt Disney Imaging. Uh, her two books are Recovery of Your Inner Child, The Highly Acclaimed Method for Liberating Your Inner Self, and The Power of the Other Hand, A Course in Channeling the Inner Wisdom of the Right Brain. And she has many other books. Uh, so that's next week, and I just want to tell you uh, that it's an honor and pleasure to be with you each week. Go to RaskinResources.com, get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, and you can listen to the archive shows on the site. Until then, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great day. Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.